Hallelujah. We are here. 21, 21. In between there is 5. We are into not numerology, but sounds good. 21, 5, 21. And God is good all the day. God doesn't look at numbers, though he gave us the book of numbers. So it doesn't matter whether a number looks good or bad, he's still on the throne. <laughs> and he still works for his children and works through his children. So this morning, even as we come, our heart is with Brother Kiran and his family. He's lost his eldest brother this morning, Pastor Thomas, if I'm right. He passed away. He had COVID and uh, early in the morning, very early in the morning, he passed away. So left behind three children. So please uphold our brother Kiran. Yes, that's Kiran's brother. He passed away this morning. It's a, it's a pastor. You know, his other past brother, we know Pastor Raju. And uh, so, but God is good. Like I said, the grief is more for us, for people who die without knowing Christ. Okay, yesterday, let me make a correction before I go into prayer. I said about it's black fungus that causes people to fall down and die. It is not. It's COVID <laughs> that can affect your heart and it stops the medical thing. I My sister corrected me. So medically, you have to be corrected. Okay. Spiritually, of course, I take correction only from few, but <laughs> medically, <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's, it's the COVID. When that hits your heart, you just drop dead because it can't pump blood anymore. Okay. So. Just be careful, just be careful, just be wise. Don't wander around when you shouldn't be. And those who are in the hostels, don't wander around near the gate and look out. The virus is out, looking to come in. Don't be the host, okay? So, please, okay? Because I watch on the cameras, just don't wander around up and down, up and down in the open. Just sit in your rooms. Be safe until this is over. Because if we are not wise and we don't allow this to be controlled, the lockdown will keep on going. The government is not going to open it because they are under pressure. They want to open it as fast as possible, but we should give them a chance to open it. So if they cannot bring it under control, what is going to do? It will be June 15th. Then it will be June 30th because ultimately they have to do something. And people are not cooperating. No, people are not cooperating. So just don't welcome the Virus, just kick it out. Because it cannot survive without a host. It dies. It, it seems, it doesn't seem to like animals. It just seems to like humans. Because it was tailor-made for these last days. And we don't want to be part of the enemy's program. We need to defeat the enemy's program. We are not out there to help the enemy. We are out there to resist the enemy. Okay, so be wise. Be smart. And we shall look to the Lord. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We know, Father, the beginning of the labor pains. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you. This Father, we bring before thee the families that are grieving. So many, Lord, especially our brother Kiran, lost his eldest brother, Father. I pray you be with the family, the wife, the three children, the extended family would comfort them. And so many, in so many places, Lord. There is grief. But 
We do not grieve like those who do not have hope. Because we know, Father, as we saw yesterday, you said, comfort them with these words. That very soon, the dead in Christ shall not precede us. In a twinkling of an eye, we'll all be together. Never we to be separated again. So even as we grieve for those who have lost their loved ones, we too rejoice because a new baby was born in our midst. You're the one who gives life. You're the one who takes life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We thank you for that little one, Lord. And as a church, we commit that little one into thy hands that she will grow in your presence. Find favor in your presence. And she will walk with you and live for you all the days of our life, Lord. We thank you for every gift of every baby you give us, Lord. They are precious in your sight and they are precious, therefore, in our sight, Lord. I commit all those who are not well, you know, Father. <clears throat> I commit them into thy hands. If they were not healed during worship, I pray they will be healed during the word. Oh, Father, heal us, Lord. Deliver us from all the traps and the snares of the enemy. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. Deliver us, Father. We commit this time into thy hands. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. We turn to Judges chapter 7. We are with Gideon. We are not basically looking at Gideon. We are looking at how God works in the lives of his children. <clears throat> 9 to 16. It happened on the same night. The Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But, if you are afraid to go down, <laughs> go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley, as numerous as locusts, and the camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in the multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. His companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the three hundred men into three companies. He put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. <clears throat> we need to understand God is incredibly patient with us because he knows what we are. That doesn't mean his patience is unlimited. Okay, He's patient with us. But in the process, he's taking us through stages. So that we might know him. That's what he's taking us to. The whole purpose of this ministry is not that we go with a head full of biblical knowledge. The whole purpose of ministry is that we might know God. <clears throat> so we might be shocked by Gideon's audacity in asking for sign after sign. Before he's truly convinced, 
And you know what? At the end, God gives him a sign he didn't ask for. He asked for a sign. I'll bring a sacrifice. Let fire devour it. I'll put the fleece out. Let the fleece be wet, the ground be dry. Let the ground be wet, the fleece be dry. So all this he asked. You see, God is so, so cool. He knows we do not know him. Can memorize the entire Bible and not know God. And if you do not know God, let me tell you, nothing is going to change in your life. Nothing is going to change in your life. You will live and die as you are. Okay, like we looked at last Saturday, your cave will be your grave. The only thing that can take you out and change you is God. So God tells go to the Elamese camp. Listen to them. The dream actually sounds very silly. A barley loaf, small little thing, rolls down and falls on a tent. The tent collapses. Think about it, you know. A biscuit comes rolling down and falls on GSS and the building comes down. <laughs> it sounds so silly. Interpretation is fantastic. <laughs> hmm? Okay, interpretation is fantastic. Okay. Immediately there's a dream and the interpretation, timing, everything. I mean, Gideon is seeing so many miracles happen at the same time. First he goes to the camp. He's not found out. They found out, the story is over. Nobody sees him. He goes into the enemy's camp. Nobody sees him. There are hundreds probably of tents, 135,000 people. So literally thousands of tents. He goes to the right tent. So it's not one miracle. Many miracles happen. Third, he hears, he reaches exactly at the time when one man in the tent is telling the other fellow his dream. If he had been five minutes late, the dream and the interpretation would have been over. Remember Philip and the chariot? You have to reach at the right time to get here, the right words to give the right interpretation. Right time. So God is in control of the entire episode. God is in control. Why? Because he went because God said so, go. See, this is why it's so important to hear God tell you something. God says, go into the enemy's camp. When God tells you and I something, and we obey what he tells you, then the result is in his hands, not in our hands. Result is in, in his hands. Okay? That is why the hearing of the word of God should generate faith. If it doesn't generate faith, the word hasn't failed you. Your ears have failed you. Your heart has failed you. The word never fails, because not because of who speaks, but whose word it is. The word of God says the word will never go void. It will achieve its purpose. But for it to achieve purpose, there has to be an element of faith. Even if it is a spark, a mustard seed faith. So he goes over there, he hears at the time one man giving a simple, looks like silly dream. But what is interesting is the interpretation. You see, even when God is allowing a man to dream, God can make an unbeliever dream. For the sake of a believer. Okay? And he won't give the interpretation to the believer because he may misinterpret it. So he gives the interpretation to the unbeliever. Okay? Look, Gideonite, look at fearful fellow. Oh, that barley loaf is the Midianite. Our tent has collapsed. He may read it exactly the opposite way. So God gives the dream and the interpretation both to the Gentile. When he hears the interpretation 
Okay, if you look at the interpretation. In the interpretation, the honest is not about Gideon. It's not about Gideon. It is about God. It's it's about Gideon, the son of Joash. Suddenly he hears, hey, these guys know me. These guys know me. See, you read the episode, all this is not happening in one day. There are days, weeks in which this is happening from the beginning to the war. There is a time period. By the time the Midianites have heard, the trumpet has blown. 32,000 people have come and they know who has gathered them and all. And they are saying, okay, this is that fellow who is the farmer. Midianites are not bothered because they are looking at who who is coming after you. But they are worried about the God of Israel. They have heard all the stories, like Israel knows their history, the Gentiles knows the history of Israel. They know about the God of Israel. They know how Egypt was destroyed, how they came, all the kings, and he, they know the history of the God of Israel. So they say, into his hand, God has delivered Midian. Okay. So what opened God's eye, see Gideon's eyes, finally his eyes is that he hears what the enemy thinks about his God. That opened his eyes. What does the enemy think about your and my God? Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, 23, 24, and then Mark 5. There was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He cried out, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. I know who you are. The Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of God. Do we know who he is? Look at the next one. The man at Gadarenes. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Okay. So the question is, they all seem to know who God is. The Midianites knew who Israel's God was. The demons know who God is. The question is, do we know who our God is? Do we even understand what salvation is? Do we even understand who, what eternal life is? The man outside salvation knows about our God who saves us better than we do. So what do we study scripture for? Look at John chapter 17 and verse 3. This is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The question is, do we know who he is? John 10 and verse 38, Jesus. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I. If you do not believe in me, you do not know who I am. Please look at the works and believe in me and in my Father. Because it is impossible to please God without faith. Anybody who comes to God must believe that he is. Who is he? Who is he? If you don't believe who he is, who says who he is, nothing is to change in anybody's life. Who is he? Our problem is with this. Our problem is about who God is. 
God says, if Jesus is saying, look, you're finding it difficult. You're living with me. You're walking with me. You see me. I have come here to reveal the Father to you so that you may know who God is. If you cannot believe God, know who God is from me, my life. At least look at my works and believe who he is. What happened is, they all, Israel, experienced the miracles, but the message was lost on them. They did not know who he is. If we miss the message of what God is trying to do with and through Gideon, we will also miss it. What is the entire object of studying the book of Judges or any book to know who God is? It is not about Gideon. It is about who God is. And God picks up these weak people, these fearful people, and uses few people, destroys this huge, massive armies. For what? To show to us who he is. That is the whole purpose. This is not about Gideon. This is about God. You see, this is our issue. The nature of the fallen man is... He focuses. That's the nature of the fallen man. His senses came open. The flesh came open. The spirit died. The spirit died. Okay? The spirit died. So he's got lost his contact with God. And further as we go into time, we lose more and more and more consciousness of God. That's it. That's why the age is mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, 4 and all. When they were so close to God, the fall took place. When they were very close to God, man lived for 800 years, 900 years, okay, 969 years. You know why? The fall is just very new. So life is still flowing. But as we go further and further and further and further and down, like expectancy is coming down. The, the country, I forgot the name of the country with the Longest life expectancy is one of the, one of the small countries, and it is seventy six. Yeah, it's seventy six. You see, nine hundred sixty nine to seventy six. As we go farther and farther and farther and farther, you know, why are people dying left and right? Because we have lost consciousness of who God is. Who God is. That is what is happening. Okay, that's why people die. Just die because they do not know who God is. Why are people living lives without any aim or purpose? Because they do not know who God is. And the entire purpose of the incarnation was to show that man would know God and go back to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father other than through me. So that you would know God and go back to God and our life would be full and a life would be with meaning and life would be with purpose. But the fallen man, because he now he operates with his senses. You know what? The senses, what we focus on? We focus on the what? We focus on the where? We focus on the when? We focus on the why? We focus on the how? We don't focus on the who? When you're born again, if you're truly born again, and you want to continue, you need to stop focusing on the what. You need to stop focusing on the where. You need to stop focusing on the how. You need to stop focusing on the why and start focusing on the who. The demons know who is. That's what Jesus, God comes and tells at the end to Israel in Malachi. The ox knows its master. The donkey knows his master. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? We have to stop focusing on the what. That's the nature of the fallen man. 
You have to stop focusing upon the why or the where or the how and lift up our heads and look unto Jesus. Who are you, Lord? Because none of these things matter. The what, the why, the how, the where. None of these things matter if we know who is calling us. If we know who saved us. If we know who loves us. If we know who is sending us. If we know who is with us. If we know who is the one who gave us all these promises. You see, God doesn't reveal all his plans to us in one go. You know why? Because he doesn't have to. Because of who he is. If man were to call, you will ask all this, okay, okay, sir, uh, how long is your company? What is its asset? How many days leave will I get? Will I get increment? You know, because it's man. With God, we don't have to ask any of these questions. The only thing we need to know is, who are you? Who is this person? Who is this person? That's why God, even when we ask God, doesn't has God revealed into any man in life, his entire life history? No. What are you going to do? No, God says, you don't have to. You don't have to know. The only thing you have to know is who I am. No. When we are grounded in the knowledge of who God is, the what, the where, the why, the how, these things don't matter. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, God comes. 10,000 sons is later. Revelations will say, you know, blazing sun, light. He cannot see, he gets blinded. And he asks this question, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? The brightness of his glory blinded him. In the middle of that brightness, glory, there is a voice. Who are you? He says, Jesus of Nazareth. The guy who you hate. The guy whose people you are persecuting. I am Jesus of Nazareth. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? It will be told you. After that, the entire focus of Paul is not about what to do. It's about who you are. And everything flowed out of it. Everything. If you say who you are, then what do you want me to do? If this is Jesus of Nazareth, Everything flows from that question. Who are you? That is why God takes Gideon through that stage. He knows he's a fearful man. He's a farmer. He's probably never blow, fought a battle. Okay, The best strokes he has is probably few wax he gives his ox and his buffalo. More than that, this guy doesn't know anything. He's a coward. He's fearful. He's weak. God knows it all. So God says, you know what? The way out for you, Gideon, and become the deliverer of your nation is that you know who I am. The God is not, God is not mad at Gideon by saying, Lord, if you really say who you are. Look at Judges 6.17. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. It is you who talk with me. Please, please, you know. Okay. You see, I've heard these stories, but you look like a man. Though you say you are an angel. No, please. No. If you are an angel who looks like a man, and a man who is not pretending to be an angel, then I will do something and do deal with it, which in a way which man can do. I will bring you a sacrifice, but I will bring no fire. So, if you are who you are, no, please do some jadoo here. No problem. 
and wait. Quite patiently waited, brought all those things, and then it's gone. It's gone. Who you are. You know what God is saying? Hey, Gideon, you saw a minuscule, a teeny, weeny, little, atomic portion of my power. Okay. You know who I am, right? A little. Now, I want you also to know, this is just one side of me. I want you to know the other side of me. You know what? I am holy. So just go to your father's house and break down all those altars and build a proper one. Build a proper one. Build, break that all down. Okay? So that you know who I am. The altars we build, the altars we build reveals the nature of our knowledge of who is. Our altars reveal, our worship reveals, our dress reveals, our songs reveal, our character reveals, our conversation reveals, what we read reveals, what we watch reveals, how we walk reveals, or who he is. Because we are his witnesses on earth. If the world doesn't believe who he is, it's because of who we are. So he says, you know, I want to tell you, I showed you my power. I want to show you my nature. You know what? Go break down the altar and build a proper one. You see, you see, we struggle with so many issues in life. I'm talking about the struggle of believers. We are not talking to unbelievers. Here are unbelievers listening. God bless you. May you know Christ today. But we struggle. We believers struggle with so many issues. We struggle with love. We struggle with righteousness. We struggle with holiness. Okay? You know why? Because often our focus is on the wrong thing. Our focus is not on the who. Be holy because I am holy. Okay, I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Why should I be holy? Because the one who calls you is holy. Focus on the who, the why is answered. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why should I be righteousness? Because the one who saved you is righteous. The scepter of his kingdom is righteous. You don't have to ask why or how or where or when. Focus on the who. All these other things will fall into place. All these things will fall into place. Where do I be holy? Look at him. How do I be holy? Look at him. In what should I be holy? Look at him. When should I be holy? Look at him. Our focus are always on the wrong things. If you focus on him, on the who, and God is revealing himself to Gideon, and through that revelation, he's teaching us. That's why the Old Testament still speaks to us. That's why Abel speaks even though he is dead. He still speaks. How can he speak? How can Abel speak? He's dead. But God speaks through Abel. God is not dead. Abel is dead. God is not dead. So if you are looking at Abel, Abel cannot speak to you. But if you look at the God of Abel, Abel speaks to you. It's who you look at that makes a whole difference. That is where the issue comes. We are always looking at the at the wrong things. <clears throat> at what? Where? Why? How? When? Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. 
The where did not matter because of who told him to go. For us the where matters. Where matters. Because we do not know who is telling us what to do. Like I said, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I went to Assam, it didn't matter where I was going. Strange land, strange people knew nobody. But I knew who was sending me. When I went to the other country, I was going. I didn't, I, I didn't know anybody when I first, not a single believer did I know when I went to Assam. A single believer did I know when I went to, went to Bhutan. I didn't know a single believer when I went to Nepal. I didn't know a single believer when I went to Malaysia. I didn't know a single believer when I went to Singapore. But I knew who sent me. Never did I know a single person in any of these nations believers when I went the first time. I didn't know anybody there who was a believer. But I knew who sent me. And it matters. It matters. That is what changes life. It is not the what. It is not the where. It is not the why. It is not the when. It is the who. So Abraham went without knowing where he was going because he knew who he was was sending him. And we spent through our nose, pursuing an education which is about the where, the why, the what, the how, and never knowing who. Never knowing who. Well, here is Jesus standing every day at the crossroads of life and saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. You know why we are secure in life? It is not because we have money. It's not because we have property. It's because we own things. We don't own a thing in this city. You know why we are sick? Because we know who loves us. Who loves us? That's where our security. We know who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you do not know the who, you will wander all your life asking the wrong questions and always getting the wrong answers. And you will be empty. You will be empty. And Jesus still stands where he stands. As Paul says in Romans, I have stood with my hands outstretched all day long, looking for a people who will come to me. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, he has spoken through his son. And we neglect such a great salvation. Great salvation. The who matters. The who matters. So because of who called him and who called us, it does not matter if we do not know where we are going. I don't know where I am going. I do not know where the church is going. I know where the church will end, but I don't know where the church is going. I have no clue where the world is going. Honestly, you look at, you have no idea where this world is going. But you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you know who's going with you. If you know who has gone before you. If you know who has gone before you. If you and I look at the promises, you know why the promises in the Bible do not mean anything to most Christians? Because they do not know who promised those promises. That's why this book means nothing to believers. You know why? Because we do not know who made those promises. The promises are not promises. The promises are yea and amen in a person called Jesus Christ. And if you are not pursuing that person, these promises mean nothing. A beset of people who came out of Egypt were full 
full of promises and they died in the desert without a single promise being fulfilled in their life because they always questioned the who. Questioned the who. They questioned the who. Every time there was a new trouble, a new situation, the question is, can God? Can God? You know where? They did not know the who. And they were not interested in the who. Same mistake. We go through this. That's why one of the most powerful, comforting psalms in the Bible is Psalm 73. Because the entire psalm is based on one thing. Who is my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Period. Everything flows from that. Everything else flows from that. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. It doesn't matter whether I'm walking on the green pastures, the still waters, the valley of shadow of death, whether I'm in the company of friends or surrounded by enemies. Oh, it does not matter. You know why? I know who is with me. So the psalmist knows who is with him. Therefore, the what and the where and the why and the how is irrelevant. He will show it to you and me as we move along. As we move along. Like I said, we are not here for Bible study. We are not here for Bible study. We are here to know a person, to lift a person, to exalt a person, and allow that person to lead us and follow him. That's the purpose of this. Because religious gatherings happen in every religion, in every country, in every portion of the world. It takes you nowhere. takes you nowhere. It is Christ, the person. The person of Christ. In Judges 6, 12, 14 and 16. That's why these promises are irrelevant. If you do not know the promise maker. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Oh, you mighty man of valor. No, the Lord is with you. If the Lord is with me, I will be always what I am, a weak wuss who achieves to nothing. And if I try things with all with my strength and reach somewhere, ultimately it will be burned up and become nothing if the Lord is not with me. What makes a weak man a strong man? What makes a poor man a rich man? What makes a sick man a man or with health? What makes a possessed man delivered? It is that promise. The Lord is with you. Who is with you? That's how it begins. It doesn't begin with Gideon. It begins with God. If you do not begin with God, with the who, then we don't have answers. In verse 14, again it is the same thing. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save. Have I not sent you? How am I going to? How am I going to deliver these people? Answer, I sent you. You see the how is answered because of the who. Because of the who? Verse 16. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. He has no clue that God is going to cut down the numbers down to 300. That's why God doesn't reveal all the plans. If he said, Gideon, yes Lord, I have called you, yes Lord. Mighty man of valor, yes Lord. You're going to defeat the Midianites, yes Lord. How many people I'll have? 300. Thank you Lord, look for somebody. That's why God doesn't tell us all these things until we get to know him. We want to know how. If he were to tell you and me, if he had told me in the beginning when he called me in 94, how he is going to lead me, I would have said, thank you, I'll go back to teaching. Stick to that. 
At least I know the how and the where and the why and the what. I know this. I know how to handle Shakespeare. I know how to handle a classroom. I know, can know how to handle a set of students. It's difficult to ha- handle a s- congregation. <laughs> Sit down. Wake up. Go wash your plate. Take your books and get out. That's a classroom. Congregation are sheep. That's where the wisest man of Egypt will stand before God and says, Lord, these are your people. I don't know how to take them from here to there. God says, don't worry. You know what? Don't worry about the logistics. I am with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Don't worry about that. Moses has no clue what these people are going to turn out to. The most rebellious, stiff-necked set of goats God had ever laid out. God says, no issues. No issues. No issues. I am with you. You know why he was able to lead them for 40 years? Because of who was with him. And he knew who it was. And that's what God is talking about. So please remember, we are not here for Bible study. We are here to know who he is that called us and saved us. And verse 15, he said, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manus. I am the absolutely true. You are absolutely 100% true. This is what you are. This is where I picked you from the wine press. Everything you say is true. What changes? So who sends you? So it does not matter who and I, you and I are. What matters is who is with us. Why do pursue people pursue money? Because they don't have God. So I know what I have. Why do people pursue power? Because they do not have God. So they know. I have power, a powerful person behind me. Why do people migrate from the villages to the cities? Because I know if I am there, I can prosper better. It is the where that determines you, not the who. Why do people want to go to these um, A-graded universities? Because if I go there, the where determines your future, not the who. For the man who has known the who, it doesn't matter where he studies or which town or village he lives in. It is irrelevant. You look at all the people God has picked them up. There were nobodies from places which have no meaning. Even when his son was born, oh Bethlehem, you are the smallest. It doesn't matter. Bethlehem may be the smallest, the most illiterate, the most unknown. But what matters is who is born there. Who is born there? So you have to start thinking different. It is not the what, the how, the why, the where. These things are irrelevant if you know the who. And Gideon is being given a lesson. And through Gideon to us thousands of years later, the God of Gideon is your and my God. If the devil can keep our eyes on the what, he has one. If we can keep our eyes on the who. We have defeated the enemy. The devil will always try to keep our eyes on the what? Luke 5.5. Five. Luke 5.5. Five. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. He's looking at the what, the why, the how, the where. What are you telling me? Whole night we toiled. And this is the same. Where did we toil? In the same sea. How did we toil? Whole night. But at your word. 
I'm living the what, the why, the where, and the how. And I'm turning to the who. When you turn to the who, everything changed. The what, the why, the where, the when, everything was overruled by the who. Did you see that? Suddenly when who becomes real, everything else becomes unimportant, insignificant. It becomes insignificant. When the who takes over everything, you got the biggest, you professional fisherman has got the biggest catch in your life at the word of a carpenter. Everything changes. You know what he says in verse 8? Now you are not looking at the catch. You are not looking at your friends who have come to help you. You are looking at the who. Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, what happened when the what, the why, the where, the how, everything was overruled and you saw the who, you are not looking at your miracle. You are not looking at the miracle. You are looking at the poor person and you realize, you know what? You are the Holy One of Israel. You are the Holy One of Israel. Depart from me. We have experienced miracles. We have experienced the miracle maker. We have experienced breakthrough, but we haven't experienced he who breaks through for us. We experience ways coming for us, but we have not experienced the way maker. When we experience the way maker, our life will change because we know it's who who determines my destiny. Who is not there? Our eyes are not the who. Our problems, our pressures, all become overwhelming. And our eyes are always upon the what? How? Look at John 6, 9. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. What are they? What are they? Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 plus people. What are they? Why? Your eyes are on the what? What are they? Look at, how can you feed 5,000 people? And Jesus said, you know what, you got it, you got all your questions wrong. Just give it into my hands. You're not looking at who. You're looking at the what. You're looking at the how. You're looking at the where. We are so far away from the towns, set them all. In the wilderness, not even a shop, not even a home. You're looking at the where. You're looking at the when. They are tired. They have walked with you. They are hungry. You're looking at the what. You're looking at the how. You're forgetting one thing. You're not looking at the who. And Jesus is telling them, just give it to me. He's telling us the same thing. You're looking at the what, the how, the why, the where. One thing you are not doing, you're not looking at the who, who is with you. He says, give it to me. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how big the situation is. It doesn't matter what you are facing. It does not even matter why you are facing. Would you just hand it over to me? Would you just hand it over to me? And they hand it over to him. He takes it. Thank you, Father. Blesses it, gives it. And they're eating, and they're eating, and they're eating, and they're eating. Scripture says, everyone was full. Not just full. Everyone was satisfied. You can be full without being satisfied. Full and satisfied. You know what? There were 12 baskets of crumbs left. You know why? Because they took their eyes from the wrong questions and put their eyes on the who. In Mark chapter 4, 
37 and 38. They were overwhelmed. A great windstorm rose and the waves beat into the boat. So it was already filling. Where were their eyes? And what was happening? Where are we? We are in the ocean. What is happening? Storm is blowing. How did we end up here? Lord, why are we here? All the wrong questions. Only thing they forgot is, who is with them? The finally they realized, oh, he's, he's there, he's there. And they said, wake him up. And they're not waking with the right motive. Lord, do you not care we are perishing? Who is with you and you are going to die? Life is with you and you are going to die. Deliverer is with you and you are going to perish. Healer is with you and you are going to die of sickness. Who? Who? In the midst of our storms, we forget who is with us. In the midst of our storms, we forget who told us to start this journey. That's why we always pray Romans, Hebrews 12 too. The author and the finisher of our faith. Did the salvation begin with you or with him? With him. So if he's good enough to start it, he's faithful enough to finish it. Don't take your eyes off the who on the way. Lord, I started hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. A little further problems come. You're looking, you're looking. And a little later, you're trying. Wait a second. Wait a second. You think you can beat this storm with your effort? Your rowing skills will take the storms away. This wind will stop. The waves will appreciate your muscles. You forgot who is with you. You forgot who started this journey. And their response at the end should be our response in verse 41. They feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? I like the KJV. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Okay, We shouldn't fear. Because they do not know him. This is before his death and resurrection. We should be excited. We know what manner of man is with us. The winds and the seas that are contrary to my journey to my abode, my eternal abode, and the purpose of God. All those contrary winds and waves will cease because of who he is. He speaks to my waves. He speaks into my storms. And if he is with me, these things do not matter who. So in Judges chapter 7, verse 11 and 12, And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened. Now go down against the camp. Then he went with Urah his servant into the outside of the armed men that were in the host. Okay. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east along in the valley, lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And the camels were without number. You are somewhere up in the mountain, safety. And God says, go. And he looks down. You cannot count an enemy. They are spread. Lord, what? Where? How? This is the first thoughts that is coming in his heart. Lord, you tell me to go there. How am I going to handle this multitude? Does not matter. 
the what does not matter the where does not matter the why does not matter the how does not matter the when does not matter because of who said does not matter who told you when he comes back from the camp verse 15 and 16 so it was when gideon heard the telling of the dream and his interpretation he worshiped lord worship genuine true worship is always a response to a revelation of who he is we don't worship we sing everybody in the world sings people don't worship usually it's because there's no revelation of who he is worship once that's why i don't believe all these people who say oh, i went in a vision and i saw jesus i saw the father it is not true i don't believe them you know why because every time but there was a revelation of who it is there was worship and i don't see these people worshiping i see them having chai with jesus chai pe charcha you cannot have a revelation of who he is nobody walking on earth was ever closer to jesus than john the bible says he loved him and john loved him the disciple whom he loved he was the one who leaned on jesus but when i saw him i felt like one dead i felt like one dead that is why dreams are there visions are there all these things are there but tally it with scripture does it agree with who he is when peter has his first encounter with jesus he falls on his face and says depart from me a man of unclean lips when i see the prophet when he has a glimpse of the glory of god he says i am a man of unclean i am finished i am done worship is a natural response to a revelation of who he is and only he can reveal and he revealed through the enemy he didn't reveal through his people he revealed through the enemy this is how the devil fears you this is how the enemy fears you you know why he fears you because of who you are because of who you are he doesn't fear you he fears me because you are mine because he knows he who touches you touches the apple of my eye he knows he can't be fooled devil tries to keep our eyes focused on the on everything else arise is a response to the revelation of who he is suddenly he comes a different man a changed man because he has an encounter he has a revelation of who god is he says arise not a single arrow shot not a single javelin thrown not a single sword out nothing arise the lord has delivered the camp of midian into your hand let's go let's go it's got nothing to do with the what the how the why the where it is all got to do with the who got to do with the who the issue is we can hear about the who 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 but like dogs go back to the vomit we will go back to a vomit we will still not search the who and you see desperate people all around the world searching and finding i have one of the cutest little letter from a 7 year old from the middle east her name is arifa one of the cutest letter she wants to know why does 
Why did Jesus die on the cross? He's, I mean, one of the cutest. I didn't reply her. And her, her letter had all those little, what you call emoticons or whatever on it. It was the cutest little, I mind my, I, it makes my day when I get letters from like that for little children. It was the cutest. She doesn't, she doesn't understand much. Okay. But it was one of the cutest letters. I'm looking for it. Sometimes I save, sometimes. Oh Lord, where it is. Or maybe I will not waste time. Okay, cutest little letter. Who wants to know? Why did Jesus die for us? Why did we punish him like that? All the questions of the child is I want to know who about him. And the problem is we can sit seven days a week and not interested in the who at all. You know, who at all. You know, we sit like, like the old time pastors used to say, like the statues on Mount Rushmore. No moving. No excitement. It is not that you don't have excitement. You have excitement for the wrong things. You don't have excitement for the right things. A message doesn't move you. Worship doesn't move you. Songs don't miss you. These things don't move us anymore. It is not that we cannot be moved. We are moved by things that have no life. We are not moved by things that have life. And in Him was life. Oh, I pity the people who are not excited by God. So it does not matter where or what or how. It does not matter when. We have all this, you know, our children, when we, when we were children, probably we were like that, check with your parents. But when our children, you know, the most difficult thing with a child is when, when will we reach? I used to tell them, told it many times, you know, taking my kids in the train. After some time, the wheels and they sound the same. When will we reach? When will we reach? When will we reach? When will we reach? Will you please take that book and read? We will reach when it reaches. Your father is not driving the train. <laughs> When will we reach? When will we reach? When? When? We cannot handle this when. Even in heaven, the souls which are under the altar, when? So close yet so far. Romans chapter 4. Who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. When is it going to happen? Twenty-five years, this man and woman, now he's going, when will it happen? When will it happen? When will it happen? And God comes and says, Amy, Next year. <laughs> Next year. Suddenly something is happening. Something changed. You know what he believed. He believed. So it does not matter when is it going to happen. It matters who spoke it. The only way you can lose it if you stagger by unbelief. You can only lose it by unbelief. It matters who spoke. If, he, if somebody spoke, 
the one who spoke is God, it will come to pass. The wind does not matter. Hundred years old. The deadness of your body, the deadness of Sarah's womb is irrelevant. When it will happen is irrelevant. How it will happen is irrelevant. Where it will happen is irrelevant. That dead womb, can it bear anything? It does not matter. It will bear. It does not matter. You know why? Because of who said it. Who said it? You know what the Bible says in verse 22? And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was not accounted to him for righteousness because of what, why, where, when. It was accounted by righteousness because of only one thing. Who's, you said it? I believe it. I'm not looking even at the what. I don't want to waste my time. I want to grow anxious and I don't want to get depressed and worried thinking about how. Because if I look in the mirror, I will get depressed. I am old. I am hundred. If I look at my wife, I will get depressed. I will start asking the wrong question. How is it possible? It is not. It is impossible. You know what? I am not going to look at or ask these questions. I am going to look at you. Who said it? God says, you are righteous. Every time we turn our eyes to the who, God says, you are righteous. It is the righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. For that, looking unto Jesus, the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith. Who matters? It matters. And ultimately you will realize only who matters. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I will be with you till the very end. Who matters? Who matters? Parents abandon children. Children abandon parents. Husband divorce wives. Wives divorce husbands. Everything that is human fails. Even your own dog which you reared up, when it goes mad, bites you. But there is only one and one person. The who. And that sets you free. Sets you free. And if you do not come to that who, you will never, you and I will never be delivered. The who. Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. I can do all things through that who. You need to understand what these words mean. Where did these people get it? It's because you know what? They turned their eyes to the who and they suddenly realized the he outside does not matter because I know who is inside. If you know who is inside, then it doesn't matter who all are outside. Acts chapter 27, verses 22. Now I urge you, floating and floating, floating, floating for weeks and months going. Everybody has lost hope. No wind. Everything contrary. It is in the middle of nowhere. They are all getting ready to die. They are so depressed. Nobody is even eating. In the middle of it, one man stands. I think 386 or 56 people over there in the boat. And one man who is a believer, he says, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel. I want you to go to KJV or NIV. Either one, NIV or KJV. Yeah? <coughs> Either one. Okay. Not Romans. Quickly. 
Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Why? For stood by me this night the angel of God. Whose I am? Whose are you? You're floating in life, going nowhere. All the wind seems to be contrary to you. You are just floating nowhere. Yet I shall not die, because I know whose I am. Whom I serve. Do you know who you serve? First you know, need to know whose you are, before you know whom you can serve. Here is a man standing in the middle of an ocean in a boat that is going nowhere. Everybody has lost hope. Everybody has given up. And he says, be of good cheer. Because the angel of the Lord, whose I am, told me, you will not die. Paul, you will not die. For your sake, I give the lives of all the people in the boat for your sake into your hands. They will not die. Do you know whose you are? Whose you are? Are you able to tell the people who are around you, who are floating around with you, don't worry. You will not die because I will not die. I cannot die because of whose I am. Not because who I am, but whose I am. This is how faith comes. This is why we meditate on the word of God, not to learn scripture, but to know him. I want to know him, is the cry of Apostle Paul. And it should be our cry, I want to know him. Jesus asked this question to his disciples. Who do they say I am? Who do do you say I am? Because that makes all the difference. Jeremiah cannot save you. Isaiah cannot save you. Moses cannot save you. Abraham cannot save you. We have Moses. We have Abraham. Those guys, as good as they are, cannot save a fly. Who do you say I am? Who do you think Jesus is? One of the gods? He won't save you. He won't save you. He won't save you. You are Christ, the anointed one. Son, the only God. That's salvation. That is revelation. You know who I am. At least little. You don't know the full picture, but little. Peter, you're good. Gideon, you want to know who I am? I showed you my power. I showed you a little of my nature. You're still not convinced. Go to the enemy's camp. Listen to what they say. Your testimony will change. You're going. How are you going to the enemy's camp? I went to the enemy's camp, crouching, crawling, so they shouldn't catch me and take my head off. But I came back springing. I went to the enemy's camp. You know what? Not to take what they stole from me, because I learned from them who my God is. Who my God is. I learned from the enemy. You learn more about who Jesus is than the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the Levites or the priests. You learn it from the demons. We know who you are. We know who you are. We know who you are. You went into the enemy's camp. Do we know who he is? Saul tells David in 1 Samuel 17.33. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against his Philistines to fight with him, for you are a youth and a man, he's a man of war from you. This is what happens with backslidden believers. Oh, you cannot do it. That man is a giant. You, Chota Pilla, what can you do? What can you do? Look at his response. 
Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And the backslidden, six foot seven inch man looked at this little boy and said, Go, the Lord is with you. He's not looking at the what, the how, the why, the where. He's looking at the who. He says, I know who delivered me. Every time I faced a bear or a lion, I know who delivered me. And he can deliver me from. These obstacles don't. The lion, the bear, the Philistine, all these are the same for the who. It does not matter. If you know God, then it doesn't matter what or who is against you. It does not matter. It does not matter. We don't exalt the pandemic. Just be careful. We exalt Christ. We don't magnify Corona. We magnify Christ. It is not Corona or Christ. It's only Christ. You should have the courage to say, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. You do should not Live to, de- to declare somebody else's works. If you are going to declare your works and the works of the devil, better die. Than stand before the seat of judgment on that day before you are sent to the lake of fire. When the list is taken, you have such a long list. He says, send them down to 2000 degrees centigrade. If you die early with little less, he says, send them to 100 degrees. Die early. Don't die late. If you live, you should live to declare the works of the Lord. You should not end up before the criminal court with a huge file folder of all your deeds. And God says, throw them into the outer darkness. They lived long to declare the works of the devil. No, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. That's what we want to live for. Who saved me? Who loved me? Who delivered me? Who redeemed me? Who gave me health? Who gave me everything I needed? And I deserved nothing. Him I shall declare. That's what wherever Paul says, Him I shall declare, Him I shall declare, who brought me out of darkness into the light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, Him I shall declare. Instead we declare our works, we declare the works of the flesh, we declare the works of the devil, we do not declare the works of God. Because you know what, we are pursuing the wrong questions, we are not pursuing the right question, who? And it doesn't matter whether it is before man, the backslidden believer or the enemy. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come here with the sword, the spear, with the javelin, but I come against you in the name of Jehoshaphat, the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He didn't say, You defied my king. You defied our army. You defied. He says, No. We are all irrelevant. You can defy me. You can defy. But the problem is, you don't know whose we are. You don't know whose we are. When you defied us, you defied him. And you know what? I don't need a javelin for that. I don't need a spear for that. I don't need a sword. You know what? The one who defied you can destroy you with anything or nothing. He doesn't even have to raise his hands. He just has to say, over, and you're over. You'll fall dead. That's why we do not fear when powers of darkness and wicked and evil men is trying to take over and coerce people to leave the cross. We're not afraid. Because we know whose we are. And all it takes for him, he says, enough. That's it. They rode the whole day. They were struggling. Eleven of them struggling. They couldn't make an iota of difference to them. When he woke up, he said, peace. That's all he said. Be still. Be still. 
And they said, what manner of man? God says, stop struggling. Turn to the who. He will speak to your storm. And when he speaks, it ceases. It ceases. It ceases. We don't struggle. Yes. Two in the morning yesterday, wife called me up. I was here. She was there. She said, I said, what happened? I had a bad accident. Car is completely total. It took me less than a second to ask, is she okay? He said, he's okay. That's fine. I said, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Ask her. I didn't panic at all. Absolutely didn't panic. And the child is fine. She had a little this thing, but nothing. Car, if you look at the car, you wonder how did she make out of it. Hit so badly, spun two times and totally told her. The child is fine. And you don't have to see and get the pictures and the doctor's report. Even before the doctor has seen and the Lord has spoken, your child is fine. Whose report will you believe? Otherwise we'll worry, we'll be worked up and we will not be able to preach, we will be able not to minister because you're not looking at the who, you're looking at what and why and where and how. No, you don't have to look at all those things. We serve a living God. We're not serving a God who doesn't have a mouth or ears. We serve somebody who is living. And the devil will always try to stop the works of God flowing from our lives by taking our eyes and asking the wrong questions. Why did this happen? What did this happen? How did this happen? Where did this happen? God says, don't worry. Just look at the who. You'll get the answer to all of life's questions. Because nothing is difficult for God. John chapter 4 and verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you. Conversation with a living God and a much married lady. Give me a little of this water. If you, if, if you, if I give you the water I have, you will never thirst again. Give me. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that. You see, we can all say the same words, but have no power. It's words that, it's not the words that have power. It is who who says it that has the power. That is why it's not memorizing scripture. It is the who who spoke that scripture into being. Because I've met a lot of people who knew the entire scripture. Nothing changed in their life. They only become crooked crooks. You know why? Because they did not the who. They did not the who. The who changes everything. If only you knew who it is that says to you. Matthew 14, 28, 29. Peter answered and him and said, Lord, if it is you, come on me to come to you on the water. If it is you. What looks is impossible. Nobody has walked on water. The first man who walks on water is Jesus. But Jesus is Jesus. Peter is Peter. Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, two different things. So he says, if it is you, it's dark, the wind is blowing, the sea is roaring, it is dark. Jesus says, fear not, it is me. Familiar sound in the storm. Not clear picture. If it is you, bid me come. What audacity. The audacity of faith. If it is you, bid me come. Jesus said come. The next thing he knows, he's walking on water. 
Why did the water take the weight of his feet, the weight of his body? It was entirely held by the power of that word. Come. Who said it? Who spoke it? If I tell you, come, you will sink. But if Christ tells through me, you will walk. This is Christ. Come. The problem is, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And verse 30, when he saw the wind was boisterous, but when he saw the what, and the where, and the why, and the how, he shifted from faith to scientific. What happened? He started sinking. That's what happens. We, we, we don't operate in faith. We become medical. We become very scientific. But science is the current God. The creation has replaced a creator. God created science. Now science has replaced God. There's nothing wrong with science. As long as it acknowledges its origin. Verse 32, 33. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. It's not that he just walked on the water. He said, Peter, Peter, he put his feet into the boat, the storm stopped. It just stopped. And you know what they did? They worshipped him. They realized, oh, he is. Worship is always a result of a revelation of not intellectual knowledge, a revelation of who God is. You know why we don't worship? Why do we worship sports? Why do we worship movies? Why do we worship our studies? Why do we worship everything else but God? Why do we get excited by everything except God? I was excited in the morning. Finished everything. I was listening to a message, listening to a message on the way to home and in the half the time when my wife speaks, I don't hear because I got this thing it's in. As soon as I enter, my wife will start talking and I'm trying to take it out. She was trying to take it out because it was a person dead and gone many, many years ago. But the word of God I heard was, it is so exciting. It is so exciting you have to drive carefully, you don't have an accident. Because you really want to jump when you hear about this who. Like I keep telling, the only person I listen to who doesn't move you is Derek Prince. I don't listen to preachers who don't move me. Because if they are not moved, why should I be moved? If they are not excited by God, why should I be excited about the God they speak about? I'm not talking about emotions here. I'm talking about genuine passion and love for God. No, Derek Prince, I know that's him. But I know he's a man moved by God. So I can listen to direct prints any number of hours. That you learn patience and long suffering, along with great knowledge of God. Are we getting the picture? So Judges seven fifteen says he worshipped. He came back and he worshipped God. He worshipped God. Why did he worship God? Because he realized who the God of Gideon was, the God of Israel was. Suddenly it did not matter where the enemy was in the valley. 
It did not matter. The enemy was spread like locusts. The numbers did not matter. 1,135,000 1, armed soldiers with camels. And all you have is 300 men. It does not matter. You don't have a sword or a spear or a javelin. All you have is a torch and a trumpet. It does not matter what you have. How am I going to fight this battle? Where am I going to fight the battle? Lord, what are you? None of this matters. You suddenly realize who he is. Who he is. And the church is always weak. The church is always small. Because that's where God gets his glory. Be of good cheer, little flock. For yours is the kingdom of God. Not big flock. Not mega flock. Little flock. It doesn't matter how small we are. It doesn't matter how little we have. It doesn't matter whether we know where we are going. None of this matters. The only thing matters is, do you know who is with you? And do you know he is with you? Because you can walk with him all the way without you realizing it is who, he who is walking with you. If you have doubt, ask the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He walked with them, but they did not know he was who was walking with them. So they were discussing about his crucifixion with him. Once Moses knows who it is that called him and sent him. You know what? Who can walk in the mightiest man on earth's court with a stick is in hand. Doesn't need anything more. No armies, no bodyguards, no soldiers, no horses, no chariots, nothing. Just a stick. And the stick is called the rod of God. That's all. You know why? Because I know who is with me. And that who delivered Israel out of Egypt. That who fed Israel for 40 years. When they had no water, God said, go stand before the rock and I will stand before you. They won't see you, but you will see me. I will stand before. Lord, this is too much. Don't worry. I will go with you. I will give you rest. Oh, I am telling you, if you don't love this God, you are dumb. You're blind as a bat. You need deliverance from the mute spirit. Deaf and dumb spirit. You're not able to worship. You're not able to hear after all this year. Something seriously wrong. This God does not excite you. That's what the Bible says. This God, the universe doesn't, cannot contain him. He contains the universe in him. And he chooses to dwell with us. Humbles himself. Born in a manger. Died on the cross. And he says, I am with you forever. And doesn't excite you. Chiranjeevi comes and says, we want selfie with Chiranjeevi. We want auto. Then we go forward. See, Chiranjeevi and me, Chiranjeevi and me. Here is God saying, I am with you. Chiranjeevi will die. I'm not talking about the people in the world. Leave them alone. I'm talking about people in the church. As we close, remember the garden? The garden where it all started? You see, when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It was not the hiding that was the problem. We all have played hide and seek. I played it even when I was a father and I loved it. It was not the hiding. 
It was who they were hiding from that mattered. It's not your hiding. It's who you are hiding from what matters. You can hide your sin from anybody. It does not matter. But if you hide from God, you will die. You will die. It is who it matters. Most of your sins, you don't have to hide it, reveal it to anybody. But if you hide from him, you are in for a reckoning. So it was not their hiding that was the problem. It was who they were hiding from. The who mattered. Who they were hiding from. Verse 10 and 11. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid I was naked and I hid you. The problem is not whether you are afraid or whether you are naked. The problem is who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Who told you? If the devil tells you are covered and God tells you are naked, you are naked. God says you are covered and the devil and the whole world stands up with pointing and says you are naked, you are a sinner, you are a reprobate. It does not matter. It matters who told you. It matters. The Samaritan woman was able to just leave her pot and go straight to the men. You know why? She who came hiding in the midday hour from all men ran straight to the men because he said you are covered. Who told you matters. Second question God asked in the garden to mankind is who told you? Why are we afraid? It's the question. He says, Adam was afraid. Why are you afraid? It's the question God asks. Why are you afraid? He asks his disciples, why are you afraid? You know when we are afraid? We are afraid when he is not with us. When we are not able to experience his presence. When we feel, come under the condemnation of the devil and we, we think he has left us, then we are afraid. Romans 8, 31 Onwards to 37 are the most powerful verses for me personally in the book of Romans. The most powerful verses in the book of Romans. What then shall we say to these things? What are these things? The what, the why, the how, the where, all these things the devil throws at us and we meditate on them. What shall we say to all these things? The answer is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things pertaining to life. Peter will say that. He has given us all things for godliness and life. You feeling condemned? You feeling rejected? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That's why it matters. You need to know who. And hear his voice. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Or pandemic? You add your list into it. Lack of education? Who can separate? What can separate you? Put your name there, whatever you are struggling with. And say, you know what? He said so. Therefore, I cannot be separated by this. I will not look at the what. I will not look at the what. I will look at the who. I will look at the who. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
That's what God asks, man. Who told you? Who told you you are a failure? Who told you? You are finished. Who told you? Now we need a fresh revelation of of the who. The I am that I am. We do not fear sickness. You know why? Because of who bore my sins on the cross and bore my sickness on his body. That's why we do not fear sickness. He bore our sickness and by his stripes we are. That's why we don't. Sickness is real. It's all around the world. It may come upon our body, but we do not fear sickness. You know why? Because who bore our sickness? You know why Christians fear sickness? It's because they do not know who bore their sickness. We do not fear death. You know why we do not fear death? Though death is an absolute certain reality if it doesn't come in our lifetime. You know why? Because of who overcame death. Overcame death. Come Peter. We are not afraid of dying. You know why? Because of who is preparing a place for us on the other side. Revelation 17, 1, 17 and 18, the final verses. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. Shall we sing the song, Waymaker? Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forever. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. That's why we are not afraid. We love that song, Waymaker, right? What is the crunch line in that song, Waymaker? That is who you are. That's the crunch line. The punch line in that lyrics is that, that is who you are. Not you will be. Or you were. That's who you are. That's who you are. Therefore, you know what? To John, he says, John, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm your beginning. I'm your end. You don't have to fear. I am who lives. You're afraid of dead. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. You know what? Chavi mere paas hai. Saitan ke paas nahi. Narag aur mrityu ki chavi mere paas hai. The keys of death and Hades is not with that dude. You are afraid of him. He comes on a buffalo, right? No, he doesn't. It's with me. I decide where people should go. I'm not afraid. Paul says, I'm not afraid. For me, absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Solomon says, when some body dies, who knows where the soul goes? Absolutely clear. Absent in the body, present with the Lord. Of course, you are searching after the what, the why, the where, the how, and spend all the resources of the kingdom pursuing that. You did not search who. If you had searched who, you would have a different book instead of the book of Ecclesiastics. should have searched for who. Come Peter, let's sing. Come baby, let's pray. We have 15 minutes to pray. But if you have generated, God has generated one mustard seed of faith today, you don't need 15 minutes to pray. You need 15 seconds to believe and receive. That's all it takes.
Sing Peter. Yes, Lord. Believe he is right here. In our midst. He's here in your home, in your hospital, in your ICU, wherever you are. God, give people a revelation of who you are, oh Lord. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Yes, Lord. That's who you are, Lord. Father, this morning we just come to yes, you, Lord. Yes, we do. Lord. One touch. Just a touch. One touch. Just a touch. One touch. Just a touch. Yes. When she heard about Jesus, yes, yes. word of God says she pressed through the crowd. Yes, Lord. If you are who you are, yes. she knew she didn't have to touch your hand, your head. Jesus. She just had to touch the hem, yes. the edge Hallelujah. of your robe. Hallelujah. For there is as much anointing in the hem of your robe because of who you are to destroy sickness that has ravaged our body and our wealth for 12 years. That's how much anointing rested on the hem of his robe because of who he is. And he has never changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, forever. That is who you are, oh God. And I pray, Father, today around the world, your children who are listening will reach out and worship you. Worship you. We worship you, Lord, because of who you are. Of who you are. Whether we experience a miracle or not, it is irrelevant. We worship you because of who you are. And because of who you are, we experience miracles. Because you are a miracle-working God. You make a way where there is no way. You make a road in the desert. You make the wilderness blow. You make the blind see. The lame walk. The dumb speak. The deaf hear. You resurrect the dead. That's who you are. And I speak healing now. In the name of Jesus. I speak power. I speak strength. Those who are fearful. Oh, I cast that spirit of fear out. And I say, be brave, be bold, be strong. Because what he has given you is the spirit of power. Not the spirit of weakness. The spirit of love. Not the spirit of hate. A sound mind. Not a scattered mind. An unsound mind. A drifting mind. Believe Jesus. what He has given you Jesus. because of who has given it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everlasting to everlasting. You are on the throne. The first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega. Oh Father, we just lift you. We just glorify you. We just magnify you.